Hey friends, this is Musing Methodist, where we discuss important issues and topics for Christians to ponder. My name is John Duff, the assistant pastor here at Centenary United Methodist in Danville, Kentucky, and today we're talking about a cool new critter scientist have discovered in the demographics of global Christianity, which has been fun. It will be fun. I'm Chris Morgan, and I am the lead pastor here at Centenary United Methodist Church in Danville, and we are glad to have you watching and or listening today. Yep, and Kathy is with us, like always. She's over on this side, so hey, Kathy. Okay, before we start, I have a big announcement. It's a big anniversary today for me. A big anniversary. Go for it. So it's been uh, six months since I started working at Centenary UMC. Six months. So that's crazy to think it's been six months. It is. But it's been a fun six months. Kathy's like, (laughs) (laughs) Kathy's giving me a hard time. But anyways, so it's been six months. I started August 9th. I'm pretty sure that is the date um, that I started working here. And I'm very happy here. So thanks for being awesome. Thanks for a good six months. You made a good transition. Bought a house. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's been fun. Become a natural. Cool stuff. Dan Villian. So how have our weeks been? If you're watching on Facebook, let us know how you're doing. Uh, anything interesting happened over the weekend or the past few days? Um, Kathy, how has your week been? Or your weekend? Or since so last hard. time? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you make any big purchases or anything? No. <laughs> no? Not over the weekend. Oh, when was that? Thursday. Yeah, that's since last time. That counts. Oh, okay. Is that okay to say, or you don't want to? I don't care. Okay, Kathy got a new car, so. Which means I won't know when Kathy is coming or going for the next four months. <laughs> and well, it's purple, no, will, not red. everybody knows, this is the funniest thing. Ever since I've worked at this church, I have to share this little funny for myself. I always park in the same spot in the parking lot. Mm. Well, not that one where I'm at now, but the other one. And everybody knows my car because I've always had a red car since I've worked here. Yeah. So this is going to, it's going to completely throw some people because this week people have walked in, saw me in my office, and they're like, where's your car? They're like, it's in the parking lot. Yep, not a red car anymore. Nope, not a red car anymore. There you go. I, I. I recognize it now when I, I'm, I'm a quick transition. Star Wars stickers. Star Wars stickers oh, cool Star Wars stickers on the back. John is a much quicker learner than I am. I, I won't know. I think that's one of my good qualities is I pick up on things quick. You're a learner. Maybe not a fast <laughs> learner. You are very much a learner. Well, when it co- I am a learner, but when it comes to like recognizing objects, houses, people, like you would not believe... How long it took mm. me after I moved into the house we now live in yeah. to be able to turn in the driveway effortlessly and thoughtlessly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. First of all, I noticed that there were more trees in everybody else's front yard than there were in mine. So I just looked for the hole. And uh, okay. then we put up green lights. And now they're on most of the time. They're LED green lights in front and beside the door. And so now I just look for the lights. Yeah, um, that's good. Sweet. So... We've talked a little bit about prosopagnosia, which is like face blindness, which is something that that I have a bit of. But the interesting thing is, it's not just people's faces. It's like the fronts of houses. It's like whether a car is a Ford or a Kia. Um, You know, slight differences in in shape or, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Just hard hard for me to tell. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, 
How was your weekend and week? How's that been? Uh, the weekend and week have been tiring. Um, we've got a lot of new things that have happened in our house that we've had to learn about one at a time. But we are very grateful for just uh, the love, the support, uh, the the presence in in many cases of, of people at just the right times, and. Uh, so that's it's it's been um, in some cases a brutal weekend, and yet in the midst of that, yeah. I, I, someone asked me the other day, I'm like, okay, there are bright rays of sunshine shining through the dark and dangerous clouds, and uh, yeah. that's just a spot where a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this know what that's like. They they uh, have experienced it firsthand. Um, yeah, for sure. So. That that part's been been a little a little tiring, um, and and some sometimes physically taxing. But um, we're up for the job, and I've got lots of lots of kids uh, in the household as well who are who are helpful. I've got to yeah. say, okay, so as a United Methodist clergy person, I have to do continuing education a specific amount every year, and uh, so I have this continuing education um, by video conference yesterday afternoon and this afternoon and it's one of those things I signed up for like four months ago and suddenly it comes up oh here's the sign-in information and I'm thinking to myself oh no it has been the most informative and mm -hmm. cool information um, from from the United Methodist uh, cool. Board of Board of Pensions and Health Benefits it's just been it's, it's one of the best seminars like that I've ever uh, experienced. So I did half of it yesterday, another half today. It doesn't sound interesting, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like there's some things that I have wanted to understand for years and years and uh, just never really taken the time to ask the questions. And they are answering the questions before I ask them. That's cool. So awesome. How about you? Sounds good. Um, it's been a relatively good week. Highlights are my twin and sister came. Uh, spent the night with me Saturday night, so I spent some time with them on the weekend, which was fun. And yesterday, I watched two episodes of The Mandalorian, so I'll share that with a buddy of mine. And so that was cool. Have you seen The Mandalorian, Kathy? I have seen about half of the first season. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what my sister said. She's a huge Star Wars fan, but she's like, I don't really like The Mandalorian. And I'm like, The Mandalorian's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Have you seen The Mandalorian? Nope. No, I have not. Do you have Disney Plus? I don't have Disney Plus. I don't have Disney Plus. I'm watching with a friend who's being generous, and uh, that's kind of what I do. I bum off of other people. Anyways, so we have a Get to Know You segment for today after getting to know how our week is. Uh, and we so we have two questions for our Get to Know You segment. Get to know us as well as you on Facebook. Even if you're watching this later, you can answer the questions because we'd love to – when they pop up, I like reading them. So if you're watching this not like, you can answer. So first question, have you ever had a side hustle or considered having one? That's the first question, side hustle. Second one, what's your favorite part of the workday? And Kathy has already answered this as – me and Chris are her favorite part of the work day. But just just seeing our faces. No, more interacting with us. She she's deeper than that. You know, she likes our personalities. No, sorry. I'm just giving Kathy a hard time. I just like to have fun. So we're being funny. Okay. Uh, Kathy, do you wanna start? Or no, you start. Uh, me start? Yeah. Okay, side hustle. So in middle school, my twin brother and I 
you know how you get like candy bars to sell for band? Um, so we did that and we got like boxes of candy bars and we would sell. But when the, uh, when the selling time was over or whatever fundraiser, when the fundraiser was over, we decided to keep the boxes and restock and just go to Kroger. And at the time at Kroger, this, so this was in the two thousands. Um, you could buy candy bars like four for a dollar or five for a dollar. And so we would buy them at Kroger and then go, take them to middle school and sell them for a dollar a piece. And um, we had a lot of fun with that until one teacher told us not to do it anymore. And then, and like we, we did it into ninth grade, I think in, in ninth grade. Yeah. Anyways. But so that was kind of a side hustle for us. Although when you're in middle school, it's not really, that was kind of like a big hustle for us. That's the front <laughs> thing. Um, but and then maybe my woodworking, I would like to do. Um, I, w I am not, that's not really a side hustle for me because I don't really make money on it. But maybe one time when I retire or whatnot. Okay, you guys do side hustles before we get to the next question. Okay. Um, I have actually, for most of my adult life, with the exception of when I lived in Indiana, I have always worked a part-time job. Okay. So, like, um, the, probably my favorite one I've had is when I was in my 20s and I lived in Florida. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I actually, my full-time job was at a car dealership, and my part-time side hustle job was at a bowling alley. Oh, that's cool. So that was yeah, you said you worked at a bowling alley. That's probably one of my favorites. That's neat. Yeah, I've, always had, I've always done a, a part-time. Yeah. You got anything? Well, I have, um, at various points in the last 15 years, tried to find things that are at or near, you know, 10 to 15% of what I believe to be their actual value, and then sell it on eBay. Oh, okay. um, but it turns out that I am not very good at predicting what other people want. And so my understanding of the market, the overall market, uh, really lacks. So, okay. um, <laughs> I, at, at some points, I'll be really happy because, oh yeah, I made $20 and then we've got all of these other things lying around. So that's not really a side hustle. It's more of a side drag. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't really do that much anymore unless yeah. I... Uh, uh, yeah. So if you're watching online, have you ever had a side hustle? Um, we'd love to hear your stories about what you did on the side. Um, next question. What's your favorite part of the work day? I'll go first. Okay. So for me, and these are kind of favorite parts of work because as a pastor, work days are like lots of various things. But okay. What I love to do with college students is I one of my secret things that I really like is going to get breakfast. And so what I would do with college students is be like, hey, you want to get breakfast with me? And so I'm working, but also combining one of my favorite things to do, except in Danville, we don't have Chick-fil-A, so I will not be driving to Chick-fil-A with college students. Um, but I still like going to like the hub and stuff. And so that's fun. Um, so, oh, I have another one too. At St. Luke, um, after after the worship services, so we did this thing where we did Bible buddies. And so I had a Bible buddy who was like second or third grader and ended up, I became basically Bible buddies with their whole family. So we had these 
two girls that were twins and then their cousin and then their male cousin. And they, after the worship services, they would always come. They would just come into my office and just mess around in my office. And I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. And they would like play my guitar and be like, what's this? What's this? And it was just really fun. So I like that. That was a good part. You guys? My favorite part of the workday, I guess, is um, usually around lunchtime. Uh, there are, and I don't typically eat lunch at noon, but there, there seem to be people coming in and out of church uh, around lunchtime. And so get get to see some folks in very casual interactions. Um, I also like when, when people uh, really want to talk about matters of faith. Uh, and the interesting thing about like talking about matters of faith is like, you okay. get some conspiracy theorists. <laughs> well, you, you get all sorts Sorry. of things, but but I like to have conversations about faith, mm. uh, which is very different than yeah. someone coming in and telling me what I ought to believe. Yeah, which sure. is is something that happens more often than than not. But to to really to really think with people about you know, what does it mean to be a Christian when things are not going your way? Like, how does my Christianity? Uh, in in form a very secular job that I might have something yeah. you know things that are really really like that um, and I really like you know and just running into the staff and getting together with with the yeah. staff too so I was gonna say our staff meetings are, are bomb they're good that's that's a good word sorry anyways Kathy besides well, me and Chris well I'm gonna say I'm gonna do two things that can okay. happen online. Go. Matt Overing says, you guys already know, sports cards kind of more of a hobby, though. Okay, yeah, the side hustle. And then Camelis Lee said she likes decorating cakes, so that probably would be her side. Who is that? Camelis Lee. She's a great baker. She's Do I know her? I don't um, know that I met you. Probably not. I okay. they've been here since COVID. Um, yes, we're one of my great bakers for my big sales. For cakes on the baker. side? That's mm-hmm. cool. Yep. Um, awesome. My favorite part of the day, and it doesn't happen every day, but every so often, as most people know, my office is kind of like the congregation point. Yes, yeah. And so at, at one point with I like day, that too. Yeah, there's going to be a point that probably three or four staff members are in there probably doing who knows what. I have my own chair. Yeah, you have your own chair. It's, it's, I have yeah. a table. For those that don't know, I have a table and chair in my office that were my daughter's when she was probably about four years old. So they're the little people chairs and table. Well, Chris sits at one of those. Yeah. I love the little and, person and chair. It's his. It's actually sitting in a spot, and we don't move it. Mm-hmm. And it just stays there. And yesterday, we were gathered looking at old directives oh, of yeah. the church. And I saw, mine was like from 88, and I saw the Carters on there. So if you're watching, I saw your 88 directory photo. So that was cool, <laughs> Carters. Um, but, yeah. So what's your favorite part of the workday? Tell us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, next segment we're doing is kind of a good news segment. It's kind of not. It's not necessarily good news. I don't know, but kind of cool news. But it's what I want. News. It's about animal news. So apparently, scientists have discovered the smallest reptile on Earth, and they discovered it in Madagascar, which is cool. It's a mini chameleon subspecies that's the side of the seas. So you can see it here on the tip of a fingertip. That is the chameleon they found. They've actually only found two of them, one male and one female, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but they were discovered uh, by the German Madagascan expedition team in Madagascar. Uh, wow. So the name is the 
Brookesia nana, or nano chameleon. And uh, the body is just uh, 13.5 millimeters long, which is less than an inch. So it, it can be on your on your fingertip tip tear, like like um, in that picture. Uh, the female's a little better, um, but they've only found these two. Like they haven't found other males or females. Um, and so fascinating. Despite that they found one of each effort. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You would hope. I mean, yeah. I mean, the other option is like. So were you surprised that there's like <laughs> eleven thousand five hundred species of reptiles? Yeah, that's a lot. Eleven thousand five thousand five hundred. <laughs> and uh, and this is a new one, and it's a tiny, tiny chameleon. It's pretty cool. So, Kathy. so the, the female is bigger than the male. The male is thirteen yeah. millimeters. The female is twenty nine millimeters. Yeah, that's um, kind of common for the animal world, right? Yes, and for whatever reason, when I'm reading these things, especially since uh, this particular story came from uh, the British broadcasting system, I want to yeah. read this whole story with a British accent. But um, I only read part of it. One, one of the uh, one of one of those on the team uh, called it a spectacular case of extreme miniaturization. Yeah, I like that part. So it, not a really good British accent. So yeah, and they just talked about it being a miniaturization. Like that, this is a natural thing in the animal world that things just grow to be many. But usually that happens on small islands. Is that what it said? Yeah, yeah. I read something like that. I don't know what that would be. Usually it happens on small islands, and this is an exception to the generally held rule that miniaturization occurs on small islands and not, like, larger land masses. So, Madagascar is not a small island. No. Okay, cool, cool. So, so, and they haven't found any more. So, I'm excited to see if they can find some more. And and maybe they haven't found them because they're just too small and they're just walking over them and not, not paying attention, you know. But, uh, uh, but we'll see. But Chris said he wants to get one of these. Well, you would have to have a really tiny... Tank. Like the wire in the cage, oh. or oh, yeah. if you had a cage, because this little thing could get out of, of anything. But yeah, that's you know, true. It's a cute little reptile, and it costs a lot because there's only two of them that we know of. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll have to do some reading and uh, what, whatever. But right now they're not really endangered. They might become endangered. Yeah, because their habitat is is uh, is protected for the moment. Right. Yeah, they're trying to. So, so what if God just like invented new animals and was like, Phew. this could be the this Adam and Eve of the many, many chameleons. So, starting the whole process of motion. Do you have any reflections on our story, Kathy? Not at all. I like for you to be more talkative. No reflections on the many chameleons. No. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyways, so that's the many chameleon story. Um, with Adam and Eve of the Mini Chameleons. Uh, today, our main topic that we wanted to talk about was global Christianity. So, Christianity, I wonder if the Mini Chameleons are Christians in Madagascar. And well, as a friend of mine says, they have. the animals know their maker. There you go. And uh, this is, this is kind of going off on a tangent here. Okay. But if you ever do something... Um, like if you decide to chant the Psalms 
or if you decide to go out and even just read the Psalms aloud in your backyard, mm. pay attention to how the animals are kind of drawn to that. Mm. And um, yeah, you you would. A friend of mine says the animals know their maker. Um, you could test that theory by going out and chanting Shakespeare. Uh, you'd have to have some kind of a control group of scripture versus not scripture. But um, it, yeah. it is interesting to me that when I'm doing devotions or uh, when I'm reading aloud outside, sometimes the animals behave. They protest and want to hear you mm -hmm. when it's the Psalms. And start drawing near. But when it's Bon Jovi, they're just like, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I usually read Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right. Okay, okay. I don't. I don't even know Bon Jovi that well. Anyways, so we're talking about global. He's Bon Jovial. Pretty, yeah, pretty Bon Jovial. Okay, good natured. Is that <laughs> yeah, what good that means? Natured guy. Okay, we got to move on. <laughs> um, so we're talking about global Christianity, and uh, it's interesting because a lot of people see, and, and not just only Americans, but a lot of people around the world see. America as the premier Christian nation, right? Like like a lot of people here are like, oh, we're a Christian nation, whatever that means to them. Um, and then uh, uh, like I spent some time in, in Hong Kong, China, and I remember people coming up to me and just like assuming I was Christian because I'm American, you know, and, and this is kind of like thought around the world. But it's interesting if you look at the demographics of Christians around the world, uh, that gives us a, kind of a different picture um, in a lot of ways. So uh, we're looking at an article, and can you pull up the, and we have a graphic here of, of something that Gordon Conwell did, uh, which is that they have this article on uh, the world as a hundred Christians. So the demographics of Christians, there's 2.5 billion Christians in the world. And so they broke it down to 100. So it's basically percentages. And um, and if you're watching this, you can see the graphic. If you're not watching it, you're just listening. Um, we'll uh, kind of break some of this down for you. And so it's talking about where different Christians are around the world and kind of like their their life circumstances. So if you and, represent those two and a half billion as just a hundred, if you, yeah. yeah, it's hard to think about, they, the, the article points out, it's hard to think about two and a half billion people, but you know, think about a hundred people in a room and this is kind of how Christianity around the world um, yeah. will play out. So, so my first statistic that I wanted to look at was continent. So this is where in the world they are. So out of a hundred out of a hundred, twenty-six live in Africa. That's the biggest. The most per, the, the percentage of Christians that live in uh, of the total sorry, what am I saying? The, the percent to, of the total of Christians, twenty-six percent live in Africa. Uh, that's the biggest place. Uh, twenty-four percent live in Latin America. So that's fifty total uh, just in Africa in Latin America, fifty percent. 23 live in Europe, so that's that's a pretty big portion. 15 in Asia, and then 11 in Northern America. So only 11% uh, of the Christian demographics around the world live in uh, North America. So what what does that mean for us, and what's what's a, a thought there? Like, how, what's your ref reflections on that? I think that a lot of times we forget that Christianity is not is not tied to um, any particular nation or any particular uh, political 
system uh, that, yeah. that Christianity is is something that is worldwide. Um, we as United Methodists, yeah, we, we kind of get this and, and mm-hmm. recognize that um, you know, we certainly have conferences and, and a lot of growth in, in Africa. So we recognize that we're a worldwide church. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church is is probably the the greatest variety of, of yeah. peoples, and mm-hmm. and it's not at all a, a unusual for for priests from other parts of the world to come and, and serve in local congregations in the United States. So, so they are very, very aware of the worldwide nature of, uh, of Christianity. But sometimes, I don't know, I think, I think we, we think that all churches are like the church we go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all churches sing the kinds of music that we sing and, and yeah. worship in pretty much the same way. And um, wow. You know, worshiping God in spirit and truth is certainly what, what we want to do as as Christians. Um, the the cultural expressions of that are are just astonishing in their variety. Yeah, and I, I want to. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about a couple things. It, it's interesting. Only eleven percent in Northern America. That's because I think the world and I think Americans in general have this view of like Europe and America being kind of the center of Christianity. Which in, in some sense, historically, it had been at certain times. So, so Christianity starts in Jerusalem, right? Jesus and the Jews. And then, and then it spreads and it goes uh, kind of south and, and west as well um, into Europe. And um, at some points, uh, Rome is the center. At some points, Constantinople in some ways, is that right? Uh, is, is in some sense centers of... Uh, Christianity, and then like we shared on Sunday, Christianity was in Northern Africa for a while. The and, first five centuries, yeah, you know, the yeah. first five hundred years, that was the, the like one of the, one the home, spots. home yeah. bases of yeah. Christianity. And so the the, Med- the whole Mediterranean region um, yeah. has has given birth to yeah. uh, Christianity as we know it. And and there's been you know there's stories of Christianity reaching Asia early uh, but that's in small amounts not in a big way and, and then you know there's Constantine the explosion in Europe for a long time was the center of Christianity then Europe came to America Christianity came to America and, and whatnot and we have spent but over the past hundred years um, and maybe a little longer than that Christianity has been spreading rapidly in uh, South America and in Africa such that Twenty-six percent of Christians live in Africa. Twenty-four in Latin America. Um, that's that's pretty crazy, and it's really really cool to see. Uh, because in America, we often maybe have this understanding of, oh, our church isn't growing, or it, it seems like Christianity isn't spreading very quickly in America. But really, around the world, over the past century, Christianity has spread in amazing and and. Uh, a case could be made for the quickest that it's ever spread in history, um, especially if you look at Africa, Latin America, and Asia. And even when we think of the radical secularization of Europe, yeah, um, and and nations like France could be seen as as places where the radical secularization is is really really in motion. But the fact that twenty three percent. Of Christians mm-hmm. remain in Europe yeah, is, is something cool. that's really surprising. Yeah, even yeah. even with the extreme secularization of the last several decades. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And so, so this is important. Another statistics I'll bring up that that is kind of a similar statistic is uh, the percentage of Christians that speak each language. Um, so the the top language spoken by Christians is Spanish, and that's at sixteen percent of Christians speak Spanish. Uh, which is, uh, like we said, Christianity has really spread in the Latin America or, the, or South America. The second is English at 10% speak English, but still, that's not a majority. 10% is pretty low, if you think of that. Um, eight speak Portuguese, so we think of um, Brazil has a really high uh, Roman Catholic kind of population. Mm-hmm. Um, five speak Russian, and we think of Russian Orthodox Church. And then three speak Mandarin, 3%, which you we don't think of Christianity or as China as a Christian nation because the percent of Chinese people who are Christians is low, but it's still a lot of people because China's huge. <laughs> China's got a grand <laughs> population. So anyways, and then we go down to like 2% with a lot of, and there's um, 50% speak like languages that are not on the top 10. And so um, t- only 10% speak English as uh, their first language, or I don't know, it might be just speak English. Um, but but I, I find that interesting. Um, does that tell us anything, or do you have thoughts on that? Well, I think it, it speaks to um, evangelization mm-hmm. efforts. Uh, you know, those who are who are going to be a part of taking Christianity to the world uh, have to recognize that that it's got to be done in a way other than than English. Kathy has a comment. Has a question. Okay, who's Which is more okay. Hey, Mark. What does Christian growth say when it runs up against growing wealth? What do you mean by that? What What does Christian growth say when it runs up against growing wealth? Growing wealth as in money? Mm. You have thoughts? I have some thoughts, but I think Christianity has all. Sorry, you go. Go ahead. Christianity has always spread a lot among. Uh, for lack of a better word, poor folks, because it is a religion that kind of levels the playing field and says we're all um, welcome. But also Christianity has also been a thing that when it comes to people, yes. in a sense, they gain a sense of worth and value in that they actually grow in wealth. This is historically kind of what, and this is actually a part of the Methodist movement in, in a big way, right? Right. When you start learning self-discipline, mm-hmm. uh, when, when you set aside vices that are very costly and begin uh, living in, in a way that is that is generous in um, very disciplined ways, uh, wealth tends to increase. So yeah. when you've got when you've got this increase in, in Christianity um, and uh, the, the, over a couple of generations time, uh, it is not at all unusual for lifestyles to have changed to the point that amassing a certain degree of wealth is um, not guaranteed. It's yeah. not inevitable, but it it ends up somewhat just happens. Yeah, it ends up happening. That's what happened in the in the Methodist movement. Uh, John mm-hmm. Wesley loved for Methodism to to have spread among the poor, and uh, by the end of his life, he had begun to see that those who started out as poor um, wound wound up having a great deal of influence. Uh, so in in Europe and in the United States, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think I think that, that once once that has been 
once that's occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so once that wealth has been generated and um, sustained in some ways, um, there could be an argument made. You know, Jesus himself talks about it is easier for a camel to go through yeah. the eye yeah. of a needle than for a rich person to to enter the kingdom of God. You've got you've got this trust in in something other than God. Yeah. Um, this childlike faith that Jesus talks about, believing that God will provide, is mm-hmm. is then transferred to uh, believing that the system will provide, or that that doing the right thing is is what's what's yeah. giving us all these blessings. So, in a sense, Christianity spreads among the poor, gives them lifestyles that are likely to make them less poor, and as they grow in wealth, um, they adopt lifestyles that may make them less spiritual. Yeah. I mean, is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, 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 and definitely we're not saying that when people become Christians, they become wealthier. We're not saying that. Um, obviously, lots of examples against that. But generally speaking, Christianity preaches a discipline and a generosity and a financial stewardship that I say almost every Sunday um, that that leads to people and, and a value in a person uh, at least to people being a little um, better off and, and I think um, it's not to be unfair to those yeah. who who are wealthy yeah um, there were among many the... many wealthy people in the early church that really helped out a lot and yep. like they had to meet in homes. So they met in wealthier people's homes and sharing money. Of course the wealthy have more to share. And so, but yeah. yeah and, and so it's, it's not, uh, sometimes we, we get into this, uh, we get into the mindset that there's something wrong with, with being wealthy and there is something wrong with being wealthy in an unspiritual in uh, an ungodly way, um, but you know the the generosity of of someone like Bill Gates, for example, um, is is very heartening for me to see. And there there's so many people alive because of Bill and Melinda Gates um, who would who would not be alive if it weren't for their uh, their foundation is, is is pretty interesting for me for me personally like. Um, it's not having that having wealth is is it's negative it's how you stewardship and not see it as your own so for me i had a scholarship my first three years of seminary that was provided for by a man who was giving these basically full scholarships to it was probably like 50 or 60 people at the seminary um and he cared about uh you know the methodist movement and he cared about um methodist pastors being educated well and so he he gave that money to to Asbury, and it's a lot of people year in year out that he's giving money to, and and uh, one would have to say, I think, if that's the way God wants him to use use his money, and he's doing it, that's a great use of that money in in a very impactful way. And it's fair to say that yeah. Wesley thought that, and and some of Wesley's followers have thought <laughs> that making money is actually, in some cases, a spiritual gift that is to be shared with the church. Mm-hmm. Wesley made a bunch of money at one point in his life and he gave, gave most away. of it away, away. And so there you go. But but we'll get back to a little bit of the topic. But great question, Mort. Uh, and 
maybe that can be something we talk about more in the future. A couple things I wanted to highlight. So demographics around the world. I'll, I'll just do a few and then I want to get to the one about age. Um, 86% of Christians have safe water. 14 do not. So 14% of Christians don't have water. Uh, 47% of Christians have, ac- have have no access to internet. So almost half don't have access to internet. Um have secondary education opportunities. 35% do not have secondary education at all. Um, 11% are illiterate. Um, 11% of Christians around the world. Um, 66% of Christians do have adequate access to doctors. 34% do not. 34% of Christians around the world don't have access to doctors. Um, And those are just some of the cool... um, well, maybe not cool is the right word. So those are some of the statistics. I wanted to look lastly at um, the age statistics. And so um, in percentage speaking, uh, this study found that 26% of Christians are under the age of 15. So 26 under 15, 64% of Christians are between 15 and 64, and then 10% are over 64 years of age, which I think is a, a really interesting statistics because if we look at Christianity in America and oftentimes in our churches, we, we think quite the opposite of what's represented here. This is saying only 10% of Christians are over the age of 64. It's, it's tilted towards the young side, which is a great thing for the Christian faith and for the Christian movement. Um, but oftentimes in, in American churches, it's we have a lot of older folks and either because of um, the cult, the way they grew up in their culture or because they're coming back to church, uh, which is, is great. We love that. And they realize the value of those relationships and Christianity. Uh, we like, we think of Christianity as kind of old an older movement or uh, what, how do you, would you say that? We think of, we think of Christians in America as primarily skewing, Toward those yeah. who are who are older, over and sixty-four. Yeah. yeah. One of the intriguing things that this brings out is that there are other parts of the world who are beginning to view the United States as not the the missionary sender, mm-hmm. um, but beginning Absolutely. to see the United States as the mission field. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, um, ecclesiastical leaders in the United States don't much care for being considered to be the mission field. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but some of those other nations where Christianity is flourishing, where Christianity is growing, yeah. they're saying, well, you know, you better produce some fruit because yeah. we're going to send you missionaries. And uh, and they are, they're going to preach yeah. uh, in ways that apparently are not. So. Absolutely. So let's just uh, wrap up a little bit. But let's let's share just what do what should we take away from this as Christians? You you share maybe a thought, and I'll share a thought, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, the Christianity is is bigger than yeah the United States. Christianity is bigger than North America. Mm-hmm. Um, Christianity is is something that is worldwide and that is is thriving in different ways in different parts of the world and um we ought to give thanks for our connectedness to people on every continent um and we have stuff to learn every time zone (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. they have things to teach us and yeah uh, we are we are in the faith alongside them yeah and so chris said christianity is bigger than what we think Uh, my college pastor always used to say god is bigger than your experience of him 
Um, like we we like to think, oh, my church, like in my experience of God, this is, but God's huge. Well, I mean, you know, God's infinite, obviously. But like our experience of Christianity, our experience of God is just limited. Um, it's very limited to one person compared to, you know, 2.5 billion people around the world are Christians. And, and so I think we should not be self-centered. We should not be a cultured center, ethnocentric. Uh, we should be um, engage other cultures and, and take opportunities to travel elsewhere to see. Um, I mean, that's one of the great things of being able to travel, which we can't really do because of COVID right now. But it is seeing, like, I've, I've loved, you know, seeing churches in, in China or in India where I've, I've gone a couple times um, and seeing those churches worship and being like, these are these are Christian these, like these are my people in in a sense and and we're here in India and like God's there moving in huge ways and it's like blows your mind right like like and it, and it's very very cool and so uh, take the time if you're able to to go on those trips if not to interact with people of different cultures who are Christians and um, that's really important so that we don't think oh you know. Uh, our culture or our experiences is, is the most important or whatnot. So anyways, that wraps it up for our conversation today. A couple things moving forward. Wednesday night, tomorrow night, we're doing Ruth chapter four in our Bible study at 630. Now the IC apocalypse may happen. Yep. And so if that happens, if the IC apocalypse happens, we will have a, not be meeting. <laughs> Gotta wear a hat. <laughs> Dude, so I will tell bad. you. I make too many ball jokes. I, I love having snow fall on my okay, head. Okay, that okay. is just great. Ice is a different matter, and hail, no, no, no. Not hail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like hail on my head, even if I'm not bald. But anyway. So if, if there is ice tomorrow... Um, and if, especially if it's it's as significant as they say it will be, um, we will be online only, Facebook Live only. Yeah. Yes, there will not be uh, the the portion that we usually have at the church live. So but we will be on Facebook Live six thirty. Um, Ruth chapter four. Looking forward to that. And during Lent, uh, at, well, actually, next Wednesday the seventeenth is Ash Wednesday, and so we're going to have a in person service as well as a service that. Um, you can watch online. And ashes. We'll have ashes that you can come pick up starting tomorrow. Uh, little baggies of after two. after two tomorrow. Little baggies of ashes that you can come if you're going to watch at home so that you can cross yourself and uh, um, have ashes on your head, which will be very, very cool. And then during Lent, we're doing the Bible study over the atonement of Jesus. What does Jesus' death mean for our sins and how does that solve the problem of sin? Um, and so that's that. And then season two of our um, podcast, episode six, continues next week, Tuesday here. I'm excited. And a reminder to everyone that we are both, with the exception of maybe tomorrow night, we are both in person mm -hmm. and online. Uh, I've had several people ask me, when are we getting back in person? Well, we kind of are in person. Um, Have been for a while. And yes, we've been in person more than we've been not in person since May. Uh, so we're we're uh, we're having both of those. Kathy wants your blood. I want your blood. We have a blood drive on the twenty second. Is that on the, our website anywhere? The afternoon no. of Not the twenty second. From one to six. From one to six, and that will be here at the up? church. Um, 
bloodrive.danvillecumc.org. You can hear that, bloodrive.danvillecumc.org. February right. is always a very low donor month. Okay. With everything going on right now, they really need blood. Yeah, they need blood. They want blood from your heart because it's Valentine's Day. Yep. Sunday is Valentine's Day, man. <laughs> That's right. Sunday is Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. You ready to bless us and send us out? I would be glad to. Okay. Playing the music. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ go with you uh, wherever it is that you happen to be, wherever God guides you, whether that is through the wilderness or um, through beautiful places. May God protect you through the storm. And may he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. Go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of Almighty God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Amen. See you guys.